This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Good evening, everybody, and thank you all so much for joining us here at this special, special event. Um, we first of all want to thank Torah Anytime for being the beacon of light in all of the darkness that we have. Um, everybody who's joined, if you don't mind, please mute yourself and... Sorry about that. Okay, so first of all, thank you all so much for joining us over here. We want to thank you, thank Torah Anytime very much for hosting this event. We want to remind everybody that you can sign up to the Torah Anytime Daily Dose at 929-355-4268. We also want to introduce this event as a very, very special event, a, a combination of various entities which are coming together in order to bring you this event. The first is a very special friend of mine, Rabbi Nisan Gans. Um, you may know him from the Ami magazine. He put together this incredible, incredible movement, something called Tuba of Together, which is at tubaoftogether.com in conjunction with Yadla Achim. And they have an amazing program where on Tuba of Morning at 10 a.m., they have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people who are getting together to daven for each other in the schos that everybody should find their shidduchim very, very, very soon. This has been an ongoing event that I've been a part of for the last few years. And it is something which, when he called me up about this, I said, let's get all of our single girls, all of our NASA girls, all of our Ruven Epstein show girls, let's get all of the girls that we've been running so many various programs on, our Torah Anytime girls, let's get them all together and do a special event. So it's really Nisan um, Gans who had this idea to do something special in honor of Tubav, and therefore we want to thank him. We want to remind all of our viewers that you should be checking out tubaoftogether.com as well as submitting names at 1-866-923-5224. Participate in this global event in honor of Tubaav for all the singles out there who are looking for their Shadduchim. Everybody should be Zaycha to find their Shadduchim very, very soon. I mean, there we go. All right. Um, tonight's event is an offshoot, is a division of a very special person who likes to remain anonymous, who had this idea um, to create these small groups called NASA. NASA now at gmail.com was this amazing idea which came together as an offshoot of the Ruvian Epstein show, which was something that Torah Anytime had started um, right around Corona time, right after Pesach. And the idea behind the show was to get a whole bunch of girls together and to have them give them access to various speakers, lecturers, people who deal with a whole bunch of different programs, and to allow them to ask their questions and be heard and sit in small forums where they're able to discuss various things with their speakers. So NASA Now was born, and it took its first steps and started running very, very quickly. And Baruch Hashem, in the last few months, we've been able to run uh, various um, seminars, where, where we had, um, I was a participant, Baruch Hashem, Rabbi Yisla Kalifan, Rabbi Yossi Ben Shushan, Rabbi Tzvi Sittner has an ongoing series that's ongoing. You can email, you should email nasa now at gmail.com to join up on the ongoing circuit, which continues to rotate every four to six weeks. This has been primarily run for single girls. However, there was a lot of interest from married women, mothers of girls who wanted to participate. So anybody who wants to participate in this, please email nasa now at gmail.com. They have no time, but with all the time that they have, they dedicate to the call, and we want to thank them, this Miss Anonymous, for all the hard work that they've been doing. Um, there's even a group from the UK, shout out to Manchester, who 
I don't know what's going on in Manchester. These girls are flooding to NASA and to all these Torah Anytime classes, but they wanted to have a special um, UK edition of the NASA Now program. I don't know if the rabbis have to speak with an English accent or not. That's to be determined at a later date. But for right now, those of you who want more information or you want to subscribe, please check out NASA Now. So with that, I just want to give one last mention. Tonight, we have uh, the schuss to have my wife alongside me, Mrs. Gitti Epstein, a very, very accomplished woman and college teacher um, who the girls have been asking for my wife to join this NASA group for the last few months. And my wife stood stood in the shadows for a while. And then with her last um, very successful event, which was run through Arnava and the Tisheva program, my wife said, all right, I'm ready to join you at NASA. So I want to welcome my wife to this special edition of this NASA Now. And I also want to welcome our esteemed moderator, Mrs. Klein. Thank you very much for giving of your time. And thank you all for joining us, all of the women here. Thank you to the thousands of people who are signing in from all around the world. We greatly appreciate you giving us your time. And hopefully we can learn from one another tonight. This is an interactive event. So feel free, anybody who's logged onto the Zoom, participate by emailing, uh, by chatting with the moderator. Anybody who's watching from around the globe, you can email in to nasanow at gmail.com. And we will try as best we can to clarify some of your questions that you have on dating and marriage and everything in between. Which shouldn't be too many things in between. Whatever, whatever's in between. We'll try to, whatever's in between dating and marriage, we'll try to get to as well. I guess engage, engage maybe. Okay, um, here we go. Mrs. Klein, the floor is all yours. Thank you so much for joining us. Okay, good evening, everyone. The first question we're going to start with tonight is, how does one know when they're ready to start dating? Short and sweet. Short and sweet. How does somebody know when they're ready to start dating? So, um, I'm going to jump in on this, okay? As we, we made up before that, I'm going to jump in um, and my wife will, will chime in with a lot of her thoughts as well. So I, I think that there's, there's multi, multiple layers over here to this question, which has been asked um, on various NASA forums in various ways, shapes, and forms. Um, how does a person know when they're ready to start dating? So the short answer is, what does it mean to date? Usually, it should be that you are dating for marriage. If you're not dating for marriage you should not be dating. So what is marriage? Marriage is a, an incredible union where your person learns to be extremely, extremely selfless and learns to give to somebody else what they need unconditionally without expecting anything in return. So how does a person know when they're ready to do that? The answer is when you feel that you are ready to give to someone else what they need without expecting anything in return, that you don't feel that you're going to be a burden, that you're emotionally stable and you're coming into this relationship as someone who's able to continuously give, that's when you usually know that you're ready to date. Now, there are sometimes, many times that we deal with people who call us up and they say, I feel like I'm ready to date, but my mother doesn't feel like I'm ready to date or my sister or my friend, my mentor, my teacher doesn't feel like I'm ready to date. So in those cases, on a case-by-case basis, you oftentimes have to discuss with whoever it may be why they think you're not ready to date. And if there's various concerns, then obviously those concerns should be addressed. But in general sense, a person who's able to be grounded and stable and able to give, they're probably ready to start moving on and getting married. With that being said, there's sometimes there's a pressure for people to jump into Shadokim when they're not necessarily ready. And I can tell you that sometimes from behind the scenes, we deal with girls who we feel maybe are not ready to get married or not ready to start dating. And if you feel that there's a reason to be concerned, 
check it out with somebody who may be experienced so that you're able to get like a second opinion and like approval on this, you know, to make sure that you're actually ready to go. So I want to add something to that, something specifically being ready to give. So girls specifically, something that they have to give to their husbands. There's so many things they have to give to your husband. Um, And you'll learn about that in college classes Mm -hmm. when you go to college classes. Um, But one of the things specifically that you're going to have to learn to give your husband is respect. You have to learn how to respect your husband. And if you feel you're ready to respect someone, someone else's opinion, be able to hear something that sounded totally different than anything you've ever heard before, you're able to be mosh of that. And this goes also for married women as well, not just for Kalas. When you're able to respect your, your husband, you're in a good place. You're able to be mosh of someone. That's one of the things you'll have to give. And girls in general are so accomplished. You know, we, we get things done. We're mature. We, we have usually like a long, you know, score list of things that we've done. And sometimes our husbands, sometimes they are, and sometimes they're not as accomplished as us. And part of being able to give him respect is respecting him at who he is as a person. And another thing that we have to focus on specifically, I see some girls nodding. Thank you so much for that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Something else that I wanted to say is that some girls, because we're so accomplished, we think that we know everything already. And believe it or not, we do. We know a lot. And we probably even know more than our husbands or whatever it is. But if he feels that we know more and we're quick to criticize and we try to control the things he says, the things that he wears, the things that he does, it's it's not going to be good. So in order to set yourself up for the opposite of disaster, right? You want to set yourself up for success Um, in a marriage. Think of those two things. Am I ready to give respect to somebody? Am I going to be constantly criticizing or is it going to be able to, you know, be able to respect and love this person for who he is? Very good. Mrs. Klein, one second. Before you go on, I want to actually kind of jump on something you're saying here. Okay. So you, you, you said something that I think is very important, something that, I had mentioned to you a couple, a couple of weeks ago. I, whenever we talk about couples that are lacking in respect, you oftentimes think that the reason is because one party, one person is not respectable. And I, I talk about this a lot, that in order to have respect in a marriage, a person has to be respectable, respectable right? Like a lot of times when women complain that they cannot respect their husbands or men feel like they're not being respected, they say that the reason is because they don't feel respected. It's very often because they're not respectable. And we find that with a lot of couples that we deal with. But I had an epiphany one morning. I woke up and I told my wife, I said, I just realized something. It's not true what I'm saying. I've been saying this all these years that the reason why some people are not respected is because they're not respectable. It's not true. There are people who simply are not capable or not trained or not able. They don't have the ability to respect they are not respectful people. I know it sounds like so simple, but very often when it comes to relationships that are struggling, you, you may look for like the issue, like who's at fault or, or who, who could fix something. They're just simply some people who just, they, their sense of respect is just very, very low for the people around them, for those around them who give them, it might be their parents, it might be their friends, it might just be part of a single girl's journey towards marriage. Is, is so much what you're saying. It's not just that you're able to give the person respect, it's that you develop along yourself the ability to respect other people. I hear that. Even just the way you talk, you know, we always say, we always say that you can tell so much from a couple. Yes. Literally just, you watch their eyes, how they interact with each other. 
or how they you know? talk about each other or how they talk about it not around exactly. either you could see the amount of respect someone has right like they, they'll roll their eyes or they'll be like oh here they go again that little nuance is so much worse than like a blow up you know if you if, if for those of you who are single and for those of you who are married you may have heard something called the silent treatment it's this like some people told us about this idea. It's like we're, we're, I don't know what you're talking we're about. like, there, there's some couples that like they get into an argument with each other. So either they blow up or, you know, they go silent. They, they go dark for like a little bit. Both forms of control, by the way. Right. So what oftentimes happens is that those, those moments are like blow up and you think it's like the end of the world, but true respect is on the nuances. It's like when a, when a husband says like a Dvar Torah or he says something, it's, you can, you can see when there's respect. You can tell when there's something, you know, that's even there. as simple as just, I mean, now it's different because I'm talking to you and, I'm, <laughs> but there's a certain sense of even when your husband's talking, just to look at him, you know, some people are so busy with other things. They're, they're busy with their kids. They're busy with everything. And like their husband is, is talking to them. They're listening with half an ear. And as they're listening with half a ear, they're thinking like 20 reasons why he's wrong with what he's saying. So sometimes that's also the mindset, you know, the mindset of I respect this person so much, you know, you don't have to sit there like, you know, that you're looking at Reb Chaim Kanievsky. However, he is your husband. And if you have any respect for your husband, you're going to be looking at him. He's going to see your interest in the things that he's saying. And it goes both ways as well. When you show your husband this type of respect, not criticizing and not trying to control him and things like that, he's going to be so quick to give all of that back to you all that love and all that respect. And a lot of times it's in our hands when you treat your husband with respect, which is something that he needs so much. It's in his DNA. Men need respect. They have an ego. We also do, but men really, really need this. And when you give them respect, they feel like they can give everything. Even if you don't think he's programmed to be that type, to be able to give you certain things, he will, when you even look at him with eyes of respect and he says something and you don't right away contradict it. You know, you don't jump on his words and say, say it like this or say it like that. Or he's like, come, let's go. It's 11 o'clock. No, it's 1058. You know, that's a sign that something's a little bit, you know, you have to step back with your criticism. Your husband is your husband and you have to respect it. You have to respect it. When you're brushing off the dandruff, you have to ask yourself if this is truly necessary at that point. You know what I'm saying? Like when, when you're straightening his, the married women are laughing. I see it. Right. When you're straightening his tie, that you know what we're talking about, right? There's a certain level of respect, and I think as for, for the single girls, it's something which it, it it takes. It's it's not easy. It's like when somebody's talking to you and you put down your phone, you just give them that eye contact. The phone, the phone. Yeah, there's so many things. That, okay, we could be here for a whole hour. Okay, I just think that that idea, being able to give, is a prerequisite to being in a successful marriage. Yes. And giving is is the nuances. It's not being able to buy something for somebody. It's being able to actually give them what they need emotionally without expecting anything in return. So, Mrs. Klein? Okay, in 30 seconds or less, someone wants to know if taking as well is a necessary for marriage. Absolutely. Taking is actually giving. Receiving is giving. I don't know if necessarily they're asking taking specifically like this. If, but, someone, if someone has a hard time taking, that's Yes, they have to learn to take. Even if it's your husband's holding open the door for you, thank him for that. Take that from him, that he opened the door for you. He says, could I hold your, your, your bag? Is it heavy? Even if it's not, let him. By taking from him, you're actually giving to him. You know, you ever give somebody something and you're like, here, I gave this to you. And they're like, no, thank you. No, no, it's okay. I don't need this. You as the giver feel like drained. I, I did this. I prepared this for you. Please take this from me. 
And when someone does, you, you know, I, I was just talking to somebody and she is such a accomplished special lady and I gave her a compliment and she took it so beautifully. She said, thank you so much. You made me feel so good. And that made me feel good in return. So even if it's hard for you, take, 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 and not in a selfish way, but if someone is offering something to you, take it because you're giving it back. I, I just want to say a quick story. My wife's great aunt, um, Shoshana Lefkowitz, incredible, incredible woman. When we were just married, um, she came to visit us in Eretz Yisrael in our apartment. And she came in and we were so touched that she came. And everybody used to call her Tanshana, Tanta Shoshana, Tanshana. So she was, they were like, Tanshana, you're here. Thank you so much for coming. And she's like, yeah, yeah. And I offered her a drink of water. And she's like, water, thank you so much. It was such a long trip. And I gave her a glass of water. And I put it down and she couldn't stop thanking me. Thank you. Thank you. And she was there for like an hour. And then before she left, she stood up. She's like, thank you guys so much. You're such an amazing couple. And then she left. And I looked down and I see that the water was untouched. She did not even take a sip. And I didn't even realize the whole time. But she was so gracious in that she didn't, she was an incredible, incredible giver. But more than being an incredible giver was she knew how to take graciously also. It's, it, it is a, it's a part of giving is definitely learning to be able she to She actually taught me this concept when I was young, young, young. I was in camp and we had a visiting day and she had a house in the country and my parents took us to see her and she pulled me aside and she said, get you here. I want to give you some money for camp. I don't know, 10, 15, $20. And as all good girls do when they're, you know, 10, 11, 12, no, thank you. You know, like I'm okay. <laughs> and she sat me down and she said, get I want to teach you something. And she taught me this lesson. She said, if someone gives it to you, Take it, take it. You'll give the person who's giving it to you nachas. And I said, okay. And she taught me that all those years ago. And she, even all those years yeah. later, when she came, she actually practiced. She lived it. She lived yeah, it. Yeah, a very good skill, even though it might feel selfish in the beginning. Cause like I said, most girls are like, no, thank you. You know, we try to be like, no, thank you. <laughs> and at the end of the day, you have to kind of work on yourself to understand that this is actually good for your relationship. Not bad. Yeah. You know, it's not selfish. I, I, I know you want to move on to the next question. <laughs> I'm going to be here all night. I want to just tell you something that I did. I did with my, with my, my seminary girls. So I teach in Ataris Nava and Benozbina, two amazing seminaries. And there was one day I came in with a whole lecture prepared and I, and I was looking around the room and, and this idea struck me. And what I did was I told the girls, I said, I want every single girl, and I'm telling you, if you're married, please try this. If you're single, it's going to be a little harder to do this. But if you're married, please try this, okay? And I said to every girl, I said, I want you to write down every girl in the class's name, and I want you to write down like a sincere compliment to the girl. And I, I was teaching them the idea of giving and taking, and I said, what we're going to do now is you're going to each go, and you're going to say your compliment out loud to everyone else in the class. So one by one, the girls stood up, and there were many girls who they, they couldn't do it. They were like, no, I, this is not for me. I'm so embarrassed. I can't, I can't talk about other people. I don't want anyone talking about me. But I said, whoever's in this, please do this. If you don't want to, you can participate on the side. And it was very fascinating to watch how, the, how every girl was like, Shandy, you're the most kind-hearted person and you're so nice. And there was a lot of tears. Believe me, there was a lot of tears that day. And what happened was is that they were good tears, not the bad tears, you know? And there was a lot of girls who were just sitting in the class who before this, like they weren't, they were just like very stoic, just like not, not interested in participating. And then all of a sudden, as everyone's talking to them, they're like, 
really? You see that in me? Like it started like opening them up. Like, I didn't know you looked at me like that. And then by, by the time the class started getting to like a close, even the girls who were not interested, they're like, could we participate? Like, you're so amazing. Like, they were all pointing around the room, like participating. Giving and taking is two ends of an equation. And it's something which you shouldn't shut down because it's not something which is healthy when it only goes in one direction. Okay, Ms. Klein, I'm sorry, it's yours. Okay, question, next question. What can one do to get more on-target dates? Okay, so this, this is a, a, very, um, a very serious question, a very important question. Um, I will say that there are so many um, types of dates out there when, we, when we're talking about dates over here tonight, let's just assume that we're talking about the Litfish community, um, sort of like what we look like, okay? So we're not talking about uh, like a Hasidic community. We're not talking about any other community. We're not talking about people who are just dating and dating for, uh, sometimes people go, they go, I'm, not, I'm dating a guy. I'm not sure if he's the right guy. I'm like, how long are you dating for? Three years. I'm not talking about that, okay? I'm talking about people that like, you're going, you're dating for marriage. That's what I'm talking about. So the answer to this question is as follows. I, I believe that a, a firm, I don't want to use a statistic, but let's say 40%, maybe it's 50, 60, but I don't know what the number is, but there's a definitely, it's a strong double digits number of girls that go on dates and guys who go on dates as well, where the date really never should have happened. And for those of you who dated in the past, you probably could relate to the term DOA, right? Like it was just it was just like was not Nogaya. Like, Dead on arrival. Right? Like you, like you show up to a date and you're like, what am I doing here? And I know that there's a lot of girls who call me up like in tears. They're like, I went out with this guy and I show up and I'm like sitting here. I'm hitting, I'm sitting here thinking to myself like this, there's just me and this guy are not walking down the same aisle on the same night in the same hall. That's for sure not. Maybe in another hall, but not on the same night. That is absolutely not happening. So then how did you end up on this date? Like who subjected you to this to this situation, like how did you get here? So the answer is, is that a lot of people, they go on dates because they're looking like, I would ask you almost to raise your hand, but there's no need because I know all your hands will go up. How many people are looking for somebody with good midos? Me. How many people are looking for someone who's Mach Torah? Me. How many people are, right? Go through all the questions that everyone asks. They are exactly the same, right? If you look at most people's resumes, they're exactly the same. It's either OTPT or maybe registered nurse now because people are very excited for Corona. But like there's going to be a certain amount of of information that's going to be exactly the same on everyone's resume. But if you look around at your top five friends, you're going to see that you guys are completely different from one another, that you guys Everyone's different. Every, every neshama is different. Every person is different. I, I recently interviewed my Rebbe, Rebbe Yislik Berkowitz, and I said to him, what could the average person, and he's like, he stopped me and he goes, average? There's no such thing as average. Every person is a chelek, like mal, is a piece of Hashem. What are you talking about average? There's no such thing as average. Every person is unique. Every person has a Sharish and a Shama that's different than the other person. Yes. I was like, whoa, I love hearing Musa from my Berkowitz. It's just like, like little words, little it things. It changes just, your whole mindset during the day. Your whole mind changes your whole perspective. And I was blown away by that. And I was like, yeah, it's so true. Even for yourself walking around and not just that there's no other average person here, but for you yourself to walk around and say, I am special, you 100%. know, having that confidence of I have an ashama. If I have an ashama inside of me, that makes me special. Not because of my job, not because of this, not because, because of who I am. And that's really where self-confidence comes from. It comes from just the awareness that Hashem put 
his piece of himself inside of you. That is one of the most, you know, jubilating things. <laughs> so that being the case, right? So a, a person, every person, when you're going on a date, the idea that a person from a 30,000 foot perspective um, is also Jewish, right? And that they also have great midos or want somebody who has great midos. Um, and they also want somebody who's either OTPT or a registered nurse. That usually is not going to qualify them to date you right? You have to ask a question like, is this a shidduch? And there's a pet peeve that I have. It's something called shidduch answers. And a lot of times the shidduch answers and the shidduch questions really go hand in hand. So if you ask a shidduch question, like, does this boy have good midos? You'll probably get a shidduch answer, which is like, yeah, of course this boy has good midos. Wow. Like it just, you completed the circle. And a lot of people, they go, oh, well, I did my research. I don't know how you, how did you get on a date with someone that was like, you know, no shaykhs. Like, how did you get there? It doesn't make any sense. And the answer is because you really didn't do any research. Research is where you ask yourself a question. Is this person potentially a true shidduch? Is this a shidduch? You know, it's like, it's like a joke. We always say it's like the, the, the point of shalom bias is shalom bias, right? That not that you have closure and that you're right and validate. These are all very good things. But if the couple walks out and they're not bishalom, if they're not happy, then then, then there's something wrong, right, in the therapy or in the session or whatever's going on. So the same way the point of shalom bias is shalom bias, I have news for everyone listening. The point of a shidduch is that it's a shidduch. So if you don't hear the words, yeah, that's a great shidduch, or that makes perfect sense, then maybe it's a great person, but maybe it's not really a great shidduch. I just had a person call me, and she was telling me about this guy she's dating, and the guy sounds like a, like, a, like a rock star, like a really, like a great guy. But she had a lot of reservations. And I said, I have a question. Do you think that this guy is a good shidduch for you? She's like, he got Midos. And you, what? I was like, great. He could be the marvelous Midos machine. Right? At the end of the day, if, if he's not for you, if you're cringing going out with him, if the personalities just don't add up, and then maybe it's just not a good shuttle for you. So she, like before, before we ended, she's like, yeah, I got my answer. This is a no. Like I'm stringing this along because the guy's got great midos for whoever he's going to marry. You know, that girl's going to be very happy with this guy because he's got great midos. But for you, he's, got, he's not a shuttle. So the point of a shuttle is that there should be a shuttle. That being the case, you have to ask specific questions. And this is the part that I, I, I think people do very wrong all too often. When you're going out with a person, you shouldn't be stepping foot on a date until you've done enough research. So let's say you're a mother of a girl or a boy. Not, we're non-discriminatory over here, except for this show. This show, you could only be a, boy, a girl watching or a woman. But if you're a mother of a boy, that's also fine, right? Or if you're the sister of a boy, you want to help him out with his shit up, that's also fine. We're, we're, we're mostly inclusive, mostly. Some, Most advice goes both ways. It goes both ways. Yeah. So that's what I'm getting at. So well, what I'm trying to drive at here is that you're going to ask questions like this. Like, let's say you know your daughter or you know yourself. <laughs> Some people, you know, they do know themselves. Some people don't. Um, but what, if you do know yourself or if you do know what you're looking for, you're going to want to ask questions. Like, let's say you're the mother. You're going to ask a question like, um, if I were to paint a picture of three different girls, which girl do you think this boy would be most suited for? Hmm. Ask open-ended questions where you, when you ask, the person doesn't know, like in many circles, very religious circles, Torahic circles, right? People are not so into like the TV thing, right? So if you say like, this guy doesn't have a TV, right? 
I think there's a question that they asked like in the 80s and 90s. Now it's like the internet, right? Like this person doesn't have the internet, right? So you basically gave away, like you just, you showed your cards, right? If you know anything about poker, which Baruch Hashem, nobody here does, right? You just, it's a tell. Like you gave away your answer. You don't want to give away your answer. So you want to ask questions where the person doesn't necessarily know what you're looking for. The person on the Shidduch resume, don't call them. Or call them and then say to them, who else knows this family? I see that you're one of her friends that's listed here. Do you have any other friends that was in like your chavra, like in your room? A roommate, somebody who lived with them, who can attest to what it's like to like live with them. You know, we all have like that one friend who's like a little bit, um, you know, not like the, like, like whatever. Anger issues. Right. They may have anger issues or self-esteem issues or emotional issues. And oftentimes like they're married like in a heartbeat. And it's like, why didn't anyone call me? Right? Like, like what happened here? Like, how did this person get, get married? And the answer is because very often the, the, the research that's being done, is, it's, it's so broad and it's so nonspecific. And if you take a little bit of time to get to know yourself or get to know your child, you will ask such specific questions for your, kids for your kid or for, or for yourself. yourself. Exactly. And you'll oftentimes find people will say like, wow, that's just, just really not a shadow. Never feel pressured to say yes or give a yes because you have 12 minutes to give a yes or this shidduch is going to expire. You know, those, those, those deals, those business deals usually don't end up with like this multi-million dollar thing. Like when someone says, I need a million dollars in 14 minutes or this deal is going to expire, let the deal expire. You know, make sure that you go into this with like you're smart and you have seichel and that somebody says to you when you're asking a question or that you say to yourself, this sounds like a perfect shidduch. This sounds like a great shidduch. Yeah, you ever hear those 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 times? We we often have this where like we'll see a guy in shul or whatever, and we'll say something like, "Doesn't this guy and this girl like they look the same? They have the same mannerisms, right? We have it like all the time." So it's like you don't, it doesn't have to be from the looks, but from what people are describing, Families, you know, right? If, Get, if one family knows both sides and they say, "No, this is a good shidduch," you know, not that everyone's gonna have that, right? But when it makes sense, when it makes sense. It should be something, right? Exactly. It should be something which is like specific to this person. You'll oftentimes find that you won't be going on as many. That's how you get more targeted. Target, exactly. Targeted dates. Very good. Very, very, very nice way to just segue back to the question and answer okay. it up. All right. Thank you. Next question. With all the challenges of marriage, why would one want to start dating at such a young age? Good question. Good question. Go ahead. You take this one. I just want to start with something and you can take this away is that so many times, like even this question is coming from such a place, you know, nobody calls in and says like, hi, Rabbi Epstein, I just want to tell you I'm doing amazing, you know, (laughs) help me, help me with my amazingness, you know, people call and the issues that are talked about are talked about really the negative rises to the top. So when somebody is like, you know, hears all these stories, they're not hearing the flip side of marriages that are just incredibly amazing, you know, and what marriage could do for a person, you know, let me just tell you, this is very much outside my comfort zone to be out here giving over my (laughs) words of wisdom. Um, But it was, you know, I was, I was encouraged to do that. I would never do that if I didn't have like the proper encouragement, you know, to do that. So marriage is, 
so positive so much of the time. Yes, there's disaster stories, just like there's disaster stories of flip sides of everything that you have. But yeah, if you want to, you know, what you what resists persists, I think the word is like, when you're focusing on everything is bad, then that's the thing that you're going to be focused on. But if you focus on like, no, there's some people that have really great marriages, and it changes them as a person. And, you know, they have good, delicious children, and they're wholesome, they're bringing up wholesome kids. Focus on that, first of all, you know, just so that you know that there's positive out there. There's so much positive out there. I have delicious, yummy collars that are doing fantastic. You know, it's not only the bad stories. It's There's so much good out there. So just be aware of that. There's a lot of growth. There's a lot of positive. There's a lot of yumminess. So focus on that. You'll get that, Amir Tashem. <laughs> Focus on the positive, yeah. yummy, positive, positive yumminess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's a, yeah. Focus on the positive yumminess yes. of the people out there who are. Yeah. Positive and yummy. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are, there, there is a lot of good. It's funny because we sometimes, what we, we often tell our couples, we say like, you know, very rarely the couples call us up and get, say like, Hey, I want to tell you, I'm just doing great. Right, so awesome. they joke our couples, you know, the ones that we teach us as, as Hassanim and Kalas, a lot of times they, as a joke, they, they do call us up and they go, Hey, I want to tell you something. I'm like, Oh, what's going on? They're like, we're doing great. And it's like, Oh, Baruch Hashem. You know, like it, it is always very good to hear that. But yeah, it is. I just got a text from a girl. She said, I can't brag to anyone. I could only brag to you. So there's a lot of good out there. I'm just telling you all. As, yeah, as to how good her marriage is. Baruch Hashem. I mean, it's, it's true. It's funny. We, we, we oftentimes, you know, if you hear, if you hear me speak, um, or you're going to hear my wife speak a lot in the future coming off of this event, um, that I'm sure. Um, but those, those of you who, who, who hear me speak, um, it's, often, it's oftentimes, unfortunately, not so positive because you can learn a lot more from... Sure from from the things that go wrong unfortunately you know it's like it's like reconstructing you know an accident or a crash or a crime scene or whatever it may be just to like yeah just sort of like put back the pieces like the elements and then show like where things went wrong um but but the positive things it's oftentimes you know when you grow up in a positive home you're not able to identify so clearly like wow my father really like instilled with me self-esteem and like my mother was such like an emotionally equal you know, equal woman who just like, she learned how to give. We, she taught us how to love. give and how to give and love and take. And she was so warm. You just think it's normal. You know, like if you grew up in a home where like, you know, your mother walked you to the door and gave you a kiss and put something in your backpack and sent you off to school and did that every day. And then when you started working, she's like, we believe in you. You're awesome. You know, like you don't think that's no- you don't think that's weird. You think that that's normal. And that's great. It's, it's good to, to think that that's, you know, a normal thing. That should be the normal. But unfortunately, a lot of times you're able to learn from the negative things. And therefore, you do hear some negativity. But there is an amazing amount of positivity out there. A lot of couples that are doing so, so well. One thing that I will add is that I think that we live in a very interesting generation in that people today are so um, in tune to their emotional needs. Yeah, their feelings like never before. It's like those of you who are a little younger, um, you know, like if maybe you've had this conversation with your mother where you say something to your mother, like, ma, like, I feel like maybe it's anxious or maybe it's, you know, I feel like, I feel like you're not getting me or you're not giving me like, you know, like my emotional needs or you turn to your friend and you're like, my mother just doesn't understand me. Like there, there is like a generation that we're living in today where people are so verbal, zoned in, verbal, so verbal about the, yeah, like, like in a way that like almost never existed before. 
But at the same time, there are so many incredible programs out there for people to learn their emotions, to hone in on their emotions, to develop their emotions, to learn the skills of dating and marriage um, and, and, and chinach and all these things. There's, there's a plethora yes. of information which people have access to today, which they didn't have in other generations. You have at your fingertips, if you have a friend who has the internet, more information than the president of the United States had in 1952. You have more information at your fingerprints than, at your, than fingertips than anybody ever had, right? It used to be like if somebody had a, like a Shalom bias issue, they would like open like a farmer's almanac and like check like what the cows were doing outside that day a hundred years ago to see like they didn't, you know what I'm They didn't have the information that we have today. There's so many books and so many seminars and online things that people have that there's access to. So somebody who's young, who's just hearing some horror stories, hang out with a more positive crowd, get some good friends who have good, awesome, and amazing marriages and relationships and ask them, how good are things? Tell me how good they are. You know, what do I have to look forward to? And you'll oftentimes hear of the hard work, but you'll oftentimes hear like, you know, how fulfilled people are and how accomplished people feel. And nobody's going to say it's perfect. Nobody's going to say marriage is, it's just been bliss since now. Because, you know, since I got married, it doesn't work like that. Anytime someone has a good relationship, it's because they put in hard work, right? You're scaring them. You're scaring them. <laughs> no, hard work is not scary. <laughs> hard work is actually what, when you get a product after doing something that's really, really hard that you worked for, you feel amazing because of what you did. So yeah, hard work is, it's hard and it's scary in the moment. But when you're actually, you know, you have something to show for what you did, you know, I hope nobody could say like when we got married, it just that was where we stayed with the <laughs> newlywed bliss. There's nothing like newlywed bliss. I mean, maybe it's because you just don't know anything yet. But when you're married for longer and you look back and you're like, wow, you know, we've come a long way and there's ups and there's downs and there's nisyonos and there's good things and there's bad, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything. And we made it out together. That is something that you look back on and are proud of. That's something that you find is special. Nobody got to a good marriage just by sitting there and saying, come to me. <laughs> it comes from hard work and giving to your spouse and your spouse giving back even going against your comfort zones, right? Like I said, going out of your comfort zone sometimes makes things much more, you know, fulfilling and fulfilling. Yeah. One second before we go on. Can I show the picture of it? Yeah. 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 Okay. Can I, can I share with you guys an idea? Okay. Um, okay. So here, here's the idea. I, I, I okay. <laughs> Bear with me here. Okay. This idea came to me also like a week ago. All right. So I, I like photography a lot. I like to, to sometimes zone out and just go into my own little bubble, staring through a lens, like capturing, you know, whatever it may be. And I oftentimes talk about how um, I don't necessarily like taking pictures of children because uh, it's hard to take pictures of children because they move, right? And the minute they see a camera, that's when they start with like all the faces and everything. And yeah, so like I usually like like landscape photography or waterfall or something like that. And I, I've given various classes about things that I've learned through taking pictures. But an idea struck me about a week ago that I think is so powerful and it really lays out this idea that you're saying. So the idea goes like this. When you think of an amazing picture, right? I'm going to show you guys a picture now. Okay. It's a picture that I took of my daughter um, up here in the mountains where we are. So I went out one day and I took a picture of my daughter. Some of you have seen it before. Some of you have seen it before. Um, but this picture, 
I, I personally, I'm very proud of this picture. I, I love this picture. I'm going to show it very quickly. Um, but this is a picture of my daughter, okay? And if you're, if you're not into photography, don't criticize it, okay? Just, just hear out the story for just a second, okay? It, um, and I'm not going to go through all the details of the picture and the framing and everything, but just, just look at the picture for just a second. I'll hold it up to the camera, okay? Here we go. So it's a picture of my daughter. Everybody see this picture? Right? The nice picture? You like the picture? Yeah? If you, okay, so it's a picture of my daughter. So I was very, I am very proud of this picture. I, I love this picture. Um, it was like the right moment, the right settings, the train tracks. And I, I was very, she very... She was listening. She was listening. I was like bribing her to get her to go to these tracks and sit down on the tracks and, and whatever. <clears throat> There's a lot that goes into this picture. It's a beautiful picture, Baruch Hashem. Great, amazing daughter that we have, Adina. That being the case, you would think that the most incredible pictures that are captured are pictures that look something similar to that in the sense that they're gorgeous. It's a stunning landscape or, or maybe it's a lion or it's a mountain or it's a person, but it's not. If you, if you have a friend who has access to the internet, they may tell you that if they would search what the top like 100 pictures of the last 100 years are, you're going to be shocked at what those pictures are. Those pictures are pictures. I'll give you one. There's a rally, a massive rally. And there's a man sitting in the middle of the rally, like staring up at the sky. It's not even a clear picture. It's, it's, you don't even see like what's, like there's nothing to it. But the caption says that this rally was a rally in Germany after World War I. And the man sitting in the middle, standing up and just staring up, that was Hitler, Yamach He was standing there and the entirety of the German reparations that they had to give back after World War I was settling in his brain. The, the, the seeds of World War II of the Holocaust was planted at that moment. It's not a beautiful picture, but a beautiful picture is a story. An incredible picture tells a story. If you have a picture in your home, go look at the picture. And if it's one of these like Heimische pictures of like, you know, on a Pesach program and it's a mother and a daughter and everybody standing by it, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. Everybody should be gebenched and live long, happy lives along with their families. And we should all find our zivugim very, very quickly. Amen. But the incredible pictures that you will find in museums or in magazines that are, that are worth reading, the Heimische magazines and other things which are very, you know, you, what you'll often find is that those pictures tell a story. And it could be the smallest thing. It could be a picnic table and somebody jumping off a diving board in the background, right? A little boy into a pool. And like, you just hop like, oh, there's a picnic. There's a boy. It's a bungo colony. Like you see the story. The more incredible the story, the chances, the more the chance that that story is going to end up on somebody's wall or in somebody's magazine or on like the top hundred pictures of the last century. It's not going to be the beauty. It's going to be the story. An amazing picture tells a story. A lot of people, they get married for that beauty. That's their concept. I want a house where I don't have to work and he's going to learn and his father has the money and I'm not controlled and I have all the respect and everyone gives me what I need and I don't have to give anyone. And they have everything laid out exactly how they want it to be. It's a 248 page plan. And if, if the boy fits this plan, he could sign this and then he could sign Mike Suba and I am in, right? But that's not necessarily 
beautiful, incredible marriages. Beautiful, incredible marriages are stories. And I have a crazy, crazy shocking thing to tell you is that when you get married, and for those of you who are married, you could relate to this. When you are in a marriage for more than a few months, a few years, a few decades, if you are writing your story right, you'll often find that there are scars, that there is pain, that there is hard work. But you look at that person and you, you're like, this is the most beautiful story in the world because we've been through so much together and we work through not having money and waiting for children and raising those children and not having more money and being evicted from our apartment because we didn't have money. And, you know, going through all the things that you struggle with. And we had those times that she was down and the times that he was down, but we worked through this together. And then you look at your spouse and you're like, you're the one, you're my spouse. It's not this picture perfect person. It's a person that has scars on them but there's something to that. Imagine if you saw a picture of a lion coming out of the fog and the lion's face was like scratched up and there was blood coming down the face. That's a story. That's a story. It's not this beautiful little thing just sitting back and going, eh. it's a story behind this. You could see that this person's been through something, but they've been through it together along with somebody else. There's an amazing synergy to marriages that have those stories. And when you see those stories playing out, there's a, there's a real beauty to that. Me emotional. Okay. Next question. I'm a very defensive person and a perfectionist. As you can imagine, communication is hard. Please help. (laughs) SOS. SOS. First thing is the awareness that she's aware that she's a perfectionist and what was the other defensive? And hard communication is communication. First thing is that you know it. Because there's a lot of people that don't know that about themselves and they don't know that they have to change that. So the fact that you know, that's incredible. Kudos to you. Yeah, I, I think that there's, there's a piece over here, something that my Rabbi Yitzchak he always talks about. It's the idea that, you know, there's a very famous, it's a Pasuk, and, and the Gemara's talk about this, it says, It's not good to be alone. So we classically think it's not good to be alone. It's good to be married. He says, no, it's not good to be alone in, in, in your own mind. That you're the das yachid. Yes. You're the only, you're the only daya in the house. That it's your opinion and that's it. That's how it goes. And something that my wife taught me from Dina Friedman and many others is that we get angry, we get frustrated, we get upset when somebody violates our boundaries, our, our, boundaries, our rules, our, our preconceived notions, what we expect something to be. And it's oftentimes it's about me. You made me upset. You got me angry. You got me down. You caused me to give you the silent treatment. It's all about you. Right. It's always about you doing something. And therefore me, I'm just a player over here. I have nothing to do with this whole thing. I don't know. I just showed up here and, and I'm, I'm, I'm an innocent little dove white dove that's that wings have been clipped by you you know it's nothing to do with me recognizing when it's not just you living in your own world recognizing when you have to change when you have something that is amazing that is amazing you know i'm a forensic accountant and i deal with different cases in besden and in courts and to get somebody to say wow i was wrong impossible 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 Impossible. So for somebody to say, yeah, wow, I never thought of it like that. 
wow, you know, yeah, I was wrong. Like people, you never hear those words come out of anybody's mouth. Never, right? But when you're in a marriage, it, it, the idea of being able to say, I'm sorry, to say, I really did something wrong. I'm going to change. I need to change. I need to change. It's like, is, is mind Or even asking your spouse every once in a while, what do I need to change? Tell me something that I could work on. Because if you're asking, you're open to listening, you know? And if it's given over in a nice way, you're willing to listen. Yeah. If you're a married woman, yeah. If you're a married woman, I, I challenge you. Because of course, there's no men watching this event. Of course it, not. It's a, men, it's a woman's only event. So of course, it's only women. Um, I, I would challenge any married woman here to turn to your spouse tonight and say, honey, I have a question for you. What can I work on? Or what can I change? Or how can I improve? What can I improve? It doesn't have to be in the marriage, just in, in general, in life you'll find that that is one of the hardest questions to ask in an honest way. In, a, in an honest way, that's one of the hardest questions to ask somebody. Like, what do I need to work on? No way. So a person asking this question, realizing like, I'm a perfectionist, which means that I have, I color only within the lines and I have certain boundaries for how I do things. And therefore I get frustrated and therefore I get very defensive when somebody encroaches on me and tells me to change. That is amazing because this person's already at the starting line of that yellow brick road which is a muscle somewhere. And uh, if, you, if, you, if you follow that journey, you know, of that yellow brick road, you'll oftentimes find that like, wow, you will be able to change because understanding that you need to change is such an incredible thing. Um, oftentimes people don't change until they hit rock bottom. And when they do, that's when they realize, wow, I really need to change. Unless they're constantly asking, what could I work on? And they right. actually- Don't ask it too off. often, by the way. Yeah, if you ask it too often- Something, something's not good. It's like, it's like apologies. Like if you're apologizing, every it's great minutes. to apologize. Like if you're apologizing every five minutes. But apology <laughs> is, the, is the, even if, you know, sometimes you can say, I'm sorry I burnt the food. That's like a very physical thing. But for girls, like I said in the beginning, that men need respect so much. You know, sometimes apologizing for not being respectful is actually the road to actually being on the happy road. Yeah. Good. Is she appeased? <laughs> I hope so. We don't, we don't know. This question is anonymously submitted. But yeah, but, but again, every, every case, I, I will say something, you know, that the que- a lot of questions that come in are very case dependent. It depends on the case. Um, sometimes we have to know how to push. Sometimes we have to know how to pull. And every person has to know this within their own relationships. But there's, there's no definite answer for this. But a person who understands that they need to change, they need to work on something, could and should seek out somebody who can yes. help them. A mentor, somebody. Be less defensive, be less of a perfectionist, and more flexible and more open and actually change and learn to be calmer, more serene. Halavai by everybody. I think everyone has to work on this to a certain extent. It's so hard. It's so easy, by the way, to turn, to turn like when you know somebody else is having a hard time and be like, Give oh, yeah, yeah, advice. right, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, they need to change this. Like they, you know, it's like, it's like everyone's like parenting everyone else's children. Exactly. And then when they, you get a call, by the way, your son just punched someone in the face. You're like, no, not our child. It's impossible. No, not our child doesn't do that. Like it's very easy to turn and create, 100%. you know. Yeah, always. Okay. I feel like you already answered the first part of this next question. I'm going to pose it. I think we should skip it. So skip it. Uh, Okay. There's a second part. There's two parts to the question. So I'll give you the second part. Are there signs on a date that my son should look out for as warning signs? Yes. Um, specifically yes. the son or well, for this a is girl being, also? This, yeah. This, I guess this is being asked by a mother of a boy who wants to know, specific signs that she should look out to. So the truth is the, the, the authority on this is, is, is 
is really probably my wife because she deals with so many girls, callas that, you know, have so many various issues sometimes that you need. Not all. Not all. Most not. All great. Amazing. Yummy and. Yummy. Yumminess. Yumminess and positivity. Um, But what you'll oftentimes find is that, first of all, yes. The answer is yes. When you're dating, one of the biggest things you are doing while you're dating is looking out for red flags, things that are sticking out and that they're, they're, they're not sitting well with you. That being the case, I will say, and I'm going to go back to something I said before, that the ultimate, the ultimate way that you will find somebody who's a good shidduch for you or your son or your daughter is going to be through research. When you're on a date, it's very hard to sit down on like a first date and go like, hi, how are you? Do you have any anger issues I should be aware of? Any medical concerns that we need to know about, right? This is not like a doctor's office, you know, like where you're filling out like that 400 page thing where they're asking you for your allergies and what you ate last. This is not an ER, right? You're not, nobody sits down to a date and does that. And you have to be very, very cautious on a date. What you ask and how you ask. And we talk a lot about this. In the research stage, you can be very bold and very, very forward where you could ask those kinds of questions, right? You could say, are there any medical concerns we need to be, you know, know about? Um, did you ever see this person get angry? Um, you can ask these kinds of questions. Now, there's various ways to dress up these questions in a way that the person doesn't feel like, oh, I'm not sure. But make sure that you're getting to the heart of what you want to know because you'll find often that the research stage is the place where you're able to do it. Some guys are extremely, extremely intuitive and they pick things up on dates some girls as well, more oftentimes the girls. Um, and then there's some guys who, who it, it, like they'll hear, you'll hear the words like, this is a Torah shidduch. Like, you know, like you'll hear things like, and therefore, right? And there's, there's such a balmidas and balasmidas and it's a Torah shidduch. So therefore, is it is the often sign. These things which are so important and it's beautiful. But like, you just missed like all the warning signs that like, this is a ship that's headed you know, right into an iceberg. So it, very often, if you're the mother, the, the burden is really on you to do your research, to make sure that the person who your son is going, is going out with is somebody who it makes sense. You've spoken to friends, to neighbors, to family, to all the people who know this girl, and you've asked enough questions that you are confident to know that there really shouldn't be any skeletons in the closet that you need, that you need to be worried about. Yeah, yeah, that being the case, if your son is somewhat prepared for the date, he oftentimes will find, if his eyes are open, he'll find things that don't sit right or don't seem right. In which case, you know, it's good for him to check back with you and for you to check with somebody. I just pity the person. I don't mean to say this in a bad way. I'm saying this as a joke. So please don't jump on me right here. Okay. Who dates any of the NASA girls. Because these girls are so well prepared. I can tell you the questions that we get on these panels are like unreal. And there were certain ideas which I myself have been teaching for years that we've hashed through. Like I remember we had one recently. We, I went on like probably a 25-minute rant. And I lost my train of thought. I don't know for those of you who are on who remember this. Like I lost my train of thought like 22 minutes in at like the punchline. I just, I just I blanked out because we went in such a massive circle to get back to this point. And we took like a five-minute break while I was like thinking, thinking, and then like it finally dawned on me and it was like, and the idea came fully like a closure. The topic was dating yourself and how to date yourself and get to know yourself and know what you're looking for. And there's, there's a whole topic to it uh, unto itself. But the girls from NASA are girls that are so well prepared that I hope that the guys who are dating these girls 
are um are, are prepared that they're that they're coming into dates you know with real questions and that they understand themselves and what is expected of them in terms of a marriage and in terms of being a husband and a husband and all that okay i think we're gonna try and wrap it up shortly so we're gonna give you one more question for now we hear of so many divorces and broken engagements now. So what can we be comforted by and really work on to ensure that we will be able to have a healthy and happy marriage? I think we covered some of that in the beginning about, right. you know, okay. We covered some we of that. Do a different question? Yeah, yeah. Jump on another one here. Okay. My daughter is a Kala. What should I look for in a Kala teacher? Two words. Get the... Uh, <laughs> um, go ahead. You you take. Okay, it. <laughs> so um, a Kala teacher is someone who's going to be teaching you very very important halachos, and be the start in your journey of learning about what it means to be married. And I tell my Kalas, I say you're going to learn beautiful concepts now, but at the end of the day, once you get married, it's just going to become your notebook unless you're going to be reading it and and learning it. This is not the end to your marriage education, right? But having a good footing or starting off with positive hashkafa and what to give and how to give and how to receive and having the halacha clear is very important. And probably um, the best college teacher for you will be a college teacher who's all your friends have used and liked her. That's usually how it goes. It's word of mouth. And you say, this college teacher, she gets you, you know, it's because a college teacher with a college is a shidduch. And, you know, you want someone who's, you know, my husband has this famous three R's that you're looking for in a rub when you're going to be asking rub on him questions. It's relatable, reliable, and reachable. And I feel like that's very similar to a college teacher as well. She should be reliable. She knows what she, you know, what she's saying. So anyone could be a college teacher, you know, you could just, single girls could decide, oh, I want to be, I heard that there was a single girl that was giving college classes. So anyone could decide that she wants to be a college teacher. Um, But she has to be reliable. She has to know what she's talking about in terms of her halacha, in terms of her hashkafa. She has to have things that are down pat. She has to be relatable. You have to relate to her. You know, I hear a lot of times that girls go to college teachers that are using, you know, like very esoteric type of words that they don't really understand. And that's not, you know, they're not, it's not relatable to them. So someone who's relatable and someone who's reachable, you know, just that quick text. Is this regular? Is this normal? You know, I'm a good referral, you know, referral for people. If someone has a, a question that's bigger than me, which there's always questions that are bigger than me. I always, I'm a good referral to send other people if it's mental health that they need, physical health, whatever it is. Um, so yeah, basically someone who you feel cares about, you, I care so much about every single one of my calls, any of my calls that are on. I care so much about you and everybody. <laughs> I dive in for everyone. Um, and that's, you know, you you connect. You want a call teacher that that you feel like could connect. I, I, I hear so many um, mothers of callas, either they're calling to book an appointment with me, you know, for their daughters, or it's after I spoke, you know, taught their daughters and their daughter, they're just calling to thank and they always say, I wish I had someone like you when I just got married, just like a quick text just to make sure this is okay or a quick advice here or there, just a quick clarification of halacha. So that's, yeah, that's what I would say is a, a, good, a good pick in a college teacher. I, I want to add something that, that my wife was saying, that the, the idea of marriage education ending with college classes is a very big misnomer. Right. It, it's just really, it's just the start because at the end of the day, forming a relationship with somebody like you're saying that you can you can connect with and that you can ask questions to 
is is so important. Life changes drastically yes. from engagements from dating stage to engagement stage and dating engagement stage to marriage stage to Shana Rishina to children to, to raising children to marrying children off and having a relationship with somebody who you're able to constantly be in contact with I think is 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 yeah. so important Your life is always changing you know I always recommend um certain books to my kawas and um they read it sometimes when they're engaged and they're like ah oh, yada yada this is probably not going to pertain to me ever hmm. and then they call me about a year or so later and they're like oh, i have a question about this i said remember that book take it out again and they read it <laughs> and now it makes sense <laughs> oh now it makes sense so yeah right everyone engaged nobody nobody's ever fighting sometimes no and then i sometimes but they're like like when you talk to them about like conflict resolution and these right, things they're right, like right. what no Never. Oz, no i heard about ash and mayim and ruach and all these things, and they're all the you know, and they start singing songs, and you're like, yeah, okay, but let me tell you what will the happen, practical, right? The, the practical. practical, like, the let's practical. be real, like, if and when a couple you know will get into a disagreement, here's how you should talk about it. And, and so by the way, I also say, like, with a heartbeat, the heartbeat is always going up and down, up and down. That is the sign of that someone is alive. <laughs> if somebody is only flatlining and they're never having arguments and they're never growing together as a couple, then they're not. They're not, they're not alive. I never, you know? I never heard you say that. Yeah. <laughs> Learn new things, Learn new things every day. <laughs> so yeah, so when you have the ups and the downs, that's a sign that your relationship is in a good place. It always gets better after a dip, usually. <laughs> if, you're able, if you're able to work it out. Okay, Mrs. Klein, are we calling it a night? It's up or to you. one more? We could do one more. You can call let's it. Let's do one more. Let's do one more. In honor of Tubov, let's do one more. Okay. How can a person be their best self on a date if they've had a bad day or something stressful came up in other parts of their life? Okay. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. So how could a person give their best date when they had a bad day? The answer to this question is multifaceted. And I'll start slow. And I think it's basically three ideas that I want to share with you. Number one is every date is an investment of your time and your date's time which means that it has to be important enough for you to show up looking your best, planned it out, that your mind is there, that your emotions are there, that you know what questions you have, that you are seeking to find out before the date is over. And therefore, you should make it a priority to show up at your best. For men, for guys, they oftentimes, if they're in yeshiva, they'll say things like, make sure you learn like a good first seder before you, know, before you go into a date to make sure that you feel good about yourself. And make sure that you're well-rested and make sure that you're well-groomed and make sure that you've showered sometime in the last few weeks or months and make sure that, you know, they'll go through all these checklists to make sure that like you show up with your best foot forward. And therefore it's no different. If you had a bad day, you have to make sure that you show up with your best foot forward. But I think that the, the step above this is the part where it's, it's, it's so true and it's so real. And so many people just, they just lose this. The date is not really the most important time in your life for you to show up in a happy, good mood. When you're married and you have children and a job and you're balancing a mortgage and a checkbook that doesn't balance and bills that are out, whatever, and your children that are bananas and your husband walks in the door and you're drowning and the food is all over the place from the night before that you didn't get a chance to make supper tonight and you just want to throw three children at him and just go up to your room and cry, that's more important for you to show up and have a smile on your face and simcha sachayim 
and work through to make sure that you are on your best behavior. The date, of course, you have to show up to a date and be happy and besimcha, but that's not where it ends. When you get married, that's when you're signing a contract, a lifelong contract with a partner who's going to be your partner for the rest of your life. What gives you a right to be in a bad mood? Something bothers you? Work on it. It's so hard. I'm not saying this flippantly. Work on it. Work on Simchas HaChayim every single day. It's a struggle for many, many people. We, we often say that we live in a day and age where we have everything. People feel like they have nothing. My Rebbe Yerusalem Berkowitz, he says that if, if the, if the Amirayim were around in our generation, they would have made another Animamim. Animamim that Hashem loves me. Animamim that the world is amazing. Animamim that life is worth living. Animamim that I walk around with a smile on my face. Animam that life is good. We have to believe that and feel that even with all the pressures and the challenges that we have today. They used to have to walk three hours each way to get a bucket of water that had sand in it and then walk three hours back to purify it just to take a drink. We turn on the faucet and we're like, ah, you know, it took three seconds longer for the hot water to kick on. Like we complain about things so fast. Being in a happy mood and having some chasachayim is so important and it's a constant challenge for everybody that has to be worked on. I want to tell you, and I want to conclude with this one idea, unless you have something else you want to add, that a person called me recently that they were in a very, very, very hard situation. And they called me up, husband called me, and he was telling me how hard it was. And then the wife called me and I said to her, how are you doing? Like, like tell me what's on your mind. And she was telling me about how stressful and how difficult the situation that she was in was. And I said, so what are you feeling right now? She said, right now, I'm feeling like it's not the right time to make any rash decisions because right now things are so hard. I recognize that it's hard. I know that it's challenging. Why should I make a decision right now? Let me think about it. Let me sleep on it. Let me give a day or two. Why should I just take out my frustrations on my husband and on the world and on Hashem? People are hating Hashem. They're hating Judaism. They're hating rabbis. They're hating everybody. Why are we hating everybody so much? Why are we in such a bad mood? We have to feel up and upbeat. Every day we get up, we say, Hashem loves me. And where I am in my life is exactly where Hashem wants me to be. And if I'm waiting for my shidduch, that's because Hashem has a grand master plan for me. And I have the most amazing chassan who's just down the road, just around the corner for me. And if it takes a little longer to get there, that's because that's the journey that Hashem put me on. I'm on the right train going in the right direction. Don't ever forget that. If you get up in the morning, you're not in a good mood. It's something that has to be worked on. And it's, it's somebody asked in the beginning, how does a person know when they're ready to get married? The answer is because you're ready to give. Being in, happy, in a happy, good, equilibrium mood every single day, or at least working on it or working struggling on it. On it. It's there's, a difference, on there's a difference between somebody who's struggling and somebody who's fighting it and they're right. battling it. Not in a bad, crazy way where you're, you, know, like you just can't handle it, but sh- working on something like this every single day is something that every person before you get married, when you're engaged, and after you get married, especially, because when you're engaged, you don't think you're going to have a bad day. When you're engaged, you are flying high. When you're engaged, you think the world is just like lollipops and cornfields, and you're just like skipping along. I got the greatest guy in the world, my knight in shining armor, and this is going to just be amazing. And then when the children come and the mortgage come and the work comes and, and everything piles on, that's when it becomes a challenge. Never forget every single day. Simchas hachayim, simchas hachayim. You get up in the morning, 
That's what we see, Moda'ani. Moda'ani, thank you, God, that I am alive, that I have a heart, that I have a purpose in my life, that I have Bechira, that I can choose every day to do whatever I want to do. I could choose today to change my profession, to live a better life, to do something different. I could go on a diet. I could lose weight. I could exercise. I can do that every single morning. Moda'ani, Lefanecha, you gave me that choice every single day. Why are we so down? You're down? Don't blame it on somebody else. The power to control your emotions lies with only one person. You. Never, ever forget that. It's one of the most empowering ideas. Something that's very difficult. Very difficult. It's a lifetime work. It's a lifetime of work. But when you put in that work, you will be happier. Your spouse will be happier. Your children will be happier, more fulfilled. They will not have a million questions on what does a normal family look like? What does a happy home look like? They won't have those questions because it's something that they will grow up instilled like IV right into their veins. So when a person works on this every day, they will find that it just makes everything around them just much better. It starts with a date, but a date is just a hischaivas. It's just a responsibility. You know when you're going on a date, you better show up in a good mood or this date is not going to go well. Husbands and wives should date each other all the time. I date my children all the time. I say to my kid, who's going on a date with me right now? Okay, Shem, it's your turn. We're going on a date. We go on dates. Silence my phone. We go out. We spend quality time together. This is a date. The same way I wouldn't show up on a date and be on my phone with my wife or with somebody I'm dating or on a business deal, how could I do that to my children? How could I do it to my wife after I'm married? Why don't I turn off my phone and put it away? Because you're dating. Because when you're dating, you recognize the chashivas. My wife said before, that don't forget that Shana Rishayna is very, it's very blissful and it's beautiful time sometimes, hopefully. Yeah. And it's very, it's, it's amazing. It, and there's like those blue, not those blues, like those, those rose colored glasses that everything is just incredible. And then you forget about it. Don't ever forget about it. Don't ever forget what it means to be shicker about your spouse. Don't ever forget what it means to prioritize your spouse. Don't ever forget what it means to go on a date and say, I want to look good tonight. I want to feel good tonight. I want to put out tonight. I want to speak to somebody tonight. I want to connect to somebody tonight. I'm looking for meaning in my life. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that. Those days shouldn't just fall away and be like, yeah, that was like la-la land. That was fantasy land. No, it's not fantasy land. That is reality. Everything else piles onto that reality and it darkens that reality. And therefore we feel down. This is a lifetime goal that every single person should have and has to have. And it starts right now, no matter where you are, um, 10, 12, Eastern Standard Time on what month are we in? August 3rd, 2020. This is where it starts. No matter what hits you, life will always throw curveballs at you. Just get ready to hit the ball out of the park. That's all, that's all it takes. If you're ready for the curveball, you got a good job. For those of you girls who understand baseball metaphors, if you don't, I'm sorry. But you, you, the rest of this, hopefully you understand. No, you don't? Okay, whatever, fine. I'll explain it to you on a different thing. Anyways, thank you so much to Mrs. Klein. Thank you so much to get the FC, my wife. Thank you so much for participating over here to this NASA event. I hope we learned something. Those of you who want more information can email NASA now at gmail.com to sign up for future events. There's ongoing seminars every few weeks. They can sign up over here. And don't forget, tubaoftogether.com. Yad la'achem. This upcoming tuba of 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, please sign up. You could send the names for people to daven for. You can become a partner with somebody who is going to daven for you. You'll daven for them. And thank you, as always, to our incredible hosts, our platform that we would not be here without, who have reached hundreds of thousands of people, the greatest yeshiva in the world without walls, Torah Torah Anytime. anytime. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.